0: Funk Radio is brought to you by Overmental.com, the media culture hive mind. Hey, welcome back, funky listeners, to Funk Radio, your favorite podcast for all your favorite funky hits. Um that seems to be the way I always describe this show. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I love that as as you say the tagline, your voice slowly gets more and more southern. <laughs> it's like, Welcome to Funk Radio for all the place for your favorite funk. It's it's like a combination of southern and just like someone slowed down a record. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's basically what my voice was. That was kind of my like my character voice on the old Funk Radio. Yeah, it was kind of that weird mix, and I don't use it, it anymore like, except for like when I do that,
1: except for the tagline. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think because that's what,
0: like when that tagline started was of the old
1: Funk that Radio. That makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> well, this is your non-Southern host, um, Kyle,
0: and this is your other non-Southern host, Peter. Kyle, there's there's a topic uh, that we wrote down a long time ago because, as you listeners know. We loosely keep um, a very long document of just ideas we write down sometimes for episodes. And if we come up with enough stuff to fill that topic, then we turn it into a real episode that you listen to, like right now. Um, But today was one that I actually, for a long time, assumed we were never actually going to do, because we couldn't really come up with much to fill it. But that's what he said. Shut up. (laughs) Good tie-in, though. Uh, I I'll get into it later, but basically I was started to work on uh, expanding a different topic, and then it kind of turned into me adding a whole bunch of stuff to this. So we're going to talk about it. And uh, well, what what, would, what is that subject, Mister P? Well, I was just about to ask you that, Kyle.
1: Okay, um, that subject loosely uh, tied to my terrible entendre of doubleness. Uh, we're going to talk about um, gays in the funk and soul music genre. The reason that this was initially so hard of a topic for us to do was because, like, on the surface, it was really hard for us to find um, famous artists in this genre that either came out or were heavily speculated to be of the homosexual variety... Uh,
0: Orientation. Great.
1: Thank you! Orientation! Because um, within that music community and especially the time period that a lot of it took place, it was still very frowned upon. Hmm. We did, however, dig up enough artists that we think we can fill out this episode nicely. I'm going to make a lot of gay jokes in this. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, we uh, got a good amount of artists here that we would like to talk about their Coming out. Yeah. Um, what's the first artist we got on the? Uh, I almost said Dicket instead of Docket.
0: That's terrible.
1: <laughs> I know. Um, what do we got on the Docket, Mr. Bruto?
0: Well, before I get into that, um, I just want to explain before we get started. Um, yeah, like like I was just saying, like we were trying to find people who were basically in the closet or not during like the '60s through the '80s. Basically, we couldn't really find much, which is why we didn't expand on this for a long time. But then I was thinking, well, there's also songs that um were basically written for the gay community um kind of as a nod to them and the gay community obviously you know embraced it and you know that's something that's basically just as good for this topic you know cool. um even if the artists themselves weren't homosexual like they still showed an appreciation for that community and like didn't leave them out or anything which I thought is kind of cool um, especially considering, like you were saying, it was frowned upon a lot during this time. Um, I would say nowadays it's probably a lot easier, yeah. um, to be out, I guess. Yeah. But you know, it'll never be perfect, but certainly better now than it was a few decades ago. So I do, I, I guess I want to start out with talking about, um, kind of one of the ubiquitous, uh, gay pride songs, uh, I'm coming out by Diana Ross.
1: Yeah, that's cool, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was I was getting down to the the portion we had written about it. Uh Um, because
0: obviously, obviously, Diana Ross was. I mean, as far as basically anybody knows, she wasn't homosexual, and then nothing, nothing ever you know supports that idea. But um, I I was always personally under the impression. That the gay community kind of embraced the song because the lyrics like had basically a double meaning, and they were like, "Well, hey, it's also the same thing as coming out um, in terms of you know being openly gay, so we're gonna embrace that." But I didn't actually know that the song actually was written in direct reference to that, and that was something new to me that I learned in doing research here. Um, did you know
1: that or no? Yeah, that's, I don't know. yeah, that's interesting.
0: So basically, um, the leaders of the disco band Chic, uh, Nile Rogers and Bernard Edwards, um, wrote and produced this song, which, um, and they, the two of them were actually um, really big, like songwriters, producers um, during the disco era for many different artists, aside from Just Chic, Um, because I know they did stuff for like Sister Sledge, and um, I think, what was the other one? Shoot, I can't think of who else at the moment daft punk <laughs> no niall rogers was on the daft punk album uh a couple years ago yes. um, which is funny anyway so um now rogers got the idea uh <laughs> i love this story he he goes to this transvestite club in new york city and when he's in the bathroom um he's standing at the urinal you know taking a piss um, I probably could have said that more gracefully, but whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now Rogers just taking a
0: piss. Um, he, he is sees there anything more beautiful. Well, there is something more beautiful while he's doing this. He looks over and he sees three men in this bathroom at the transvestite club who are all dressed like Diana Ross. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know if at the time he like knew her personally or not. I could assume that maybe he did.
1: Now is this if I'm wrong, is mm. this 1980s Diana Ross, as in like, fitted white t-shirt and blue mm-hmm. jeans? Or? Um, it was in
0: 1980, so they were probably writing it in 1979. we will type
1: in 1979 Diana Ross I want to see what she looks like.
0: Alright, well while you do that, I'll continue the story. Okay. Um, so basically he saw these Called
1: three... It. I t- sorry, I typed okay. in 79 Diana Ross and I got the cover of that album that's just diana where she's in a white t-shirt and jeans
0: see but i feel like if they were if there was three guys in a transvestite club bathroom dressed like diana ross i i'm gonna assume that they were dressed
1: in in something a little more glamorous way yeah yeah at least i'd like to imagine that now there is other pictures of her with like gigantic hair and like this black nightgown not nightgown but i don't know what you call it cocktail dress sort of
0: Uh, i can visualize what you're talking about yeah um, there's, so also maybe they look like a,
1: there's also one where it's a t-shirt but it's like ripped in a way that and tied so that it's basically just covering her boobs hmm. that may have also been a thing
0: maybe they were each dressed as like a different fashion <laughs> thing of hers <laughs> that would be funny actually we'll never know because um, I don't think he brought a camera with him into that
1: <laughs> if only he did it in that era of camera phones
0: <laughs> hashtag transvestites um, so after after Nile Rodgers saw this um, I have I have a quote here from an interview he did in 2013 so just more recently probably when he was kind of more popular again with the whole Daft Punk thing so anyway I guess he approached um, Diana Ross with this song and she thought it was a cool idea so they went ahead and made the song but a DJ actually warned Diana Ross that this song was going to ruin her career because people were going to think that she was gay for singing like you know for the lyrics For saying I'm coming out. Yeah. And that people would not like her anymore. But he said, quote, it was the only time I've ever lied to an artist. I said, what are you talking about? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. We had written it because of her gay following, but I said she could use it as her coming out song to start her gigs. And as she has ever since.
1: So they kind of pulled the wool over her eyes a bit and were just like, hey, this isn't anything to do with gays. It's your song to come on stage to. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. So um, Niall Rogers.
0: So ever since then, I guess 1980, whenever it came out, uh, and especially we've seen uh, we'll see with a couple of these songs that we're talking about today. Uh, it seems like the gay clubs seems to really be really and like regular I like, quote unquote regular clubs is like seems to be where like a lot of like disco and dance songs take off during this time, which is which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gay clubs specifically, that's where like a lot of these specific songs became really popular and then kind of like transcended into the mainstream popularity beyond that, you know, that makes sense. Um, So I don't want to say this is her top, like her most popular song ever. Cause I know she had a lot, but I know it's certainly one of her top ones. And I think she has the gay community to thank for that. That And and that's something you don't really think about, but I guess that's kind of what happened.
1: Speaking of the gay community um, and noticed that, sorry
0: i wanted i wanted to play a song a quick oh i forgot
1: we do that again yeah okay
0: so let's listen to a quick clip of i'm coming out coming out no it's not but maybe you want to come out to this next song
1: so yeah that was diana ross's i'm um, coming out and speaking of coming out um another artist that i re- couldn't possibly avoid mentioning is uh little richard oh yeah who his real name is richard wayne Penniman, born 1932 he is still alive thankfully he's 82 um, wow right and obviously, for a you know, he's had a very long and illustrious career going back to the, you know, late 50s. And his sexual orientation was always kind of a topic of debate um, because yes. he's, he would often claim that as a child he felt very feminine but would often played with girls and therefore got made fun of because of it. Um, he even got caught wearing his mother's makeup and wardrobe hmm. and was beaten to Beaten to shit out of by his dad because 1950s. Right. Apparently, um, during the early 50s, uh, in it, th- I guess as his career was burgeoning, he would often appear um, as a drag performer in different vaudeville groups. Mm. So, by the time he kind of entered the you know small time singing circuit, he um, basically created that sort of feministic. I guess how do I say it? ness about him i guess um, persona but, thank you he created that sort of vaudevillian persona as his sort of uh stage persona, persona. i can't think <laughs> shut up peter can't think of words it's, it's okay words are hard funk is easy yeah. <laughs> words are hard funk is easy obviously this you know added to the speculation um, about his sexual orientation And this went on for a very long time, up until 1995. By this time, his career obviously started to wind down because it was the 90s. Um, Yeah, I don't even think anybody was talking about him anymore by then, right? No. He told Penthouse Magazine, of all places, that he always knew (laughs) he was gay. And, in fact, in 2007, Mojo Magazine described him as a bisexual alien. I have no idea what that means, or the context.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. hmm i I kind of doubt that the context really makes it sound any better
1: yeah it's funny though because obviously he capitulated a lot in his i guess his public um admission of his sexuality because in 1984 just you know 11 years prior to him coming out uh to penthouse he said that he felt homosexuality was quote unnatural and contagious but mm. would then t- would then go on to tell the interviewer that he was quote omnisexual. <laughs> so, mm. omnisexual was okay. Homos- just homosexual—that's that's that's gross and dirty.
0: So, is he bisexual then? I th-
1: I believe so. I think that's kind of his. You know where he where he stands. His, yeah. Um, Interesting. But yeah, it was. It's kind of one of those. He was kind of one of those artists that despite denying it for a long time it was very heavily speculated and eventually he's just like you know what yeah kind of like elton john
0: that too that's actually yeah yeah, i forgot about him i forgot about that um i actually was going to ask you at some point during the show like if we can think of some more contemporary examples of openly gay performers or like music musicians i guess specifically
1: isn't (sighs) There was one guy from Idol that, like, became semi-famous, and he's gay. Mm. I think it's Adam Levine, but I don't want to...
0: Well, we say people are dead half the time. It can't be any worse to say that they're gay if they're not.
1: Touché. Outspoken... Oh, that's why. Because he himself is not gay, but he's an outspoken supporter of same-sex marriage and LBGT rights, and his brother is gay. So that's maybe where I'm confusing it. Oh, okay.
0: My bad. But yeah, I mean... uh... In terms of like denying it for a long time, I think obviously just for the sake of your own career. I mean, like back then, of course. I mean, uh, I'm sure that was just kind of a self preservation thing.
1: Mm Hmm. Um, Ooh, here's a list of gay musicians according to Wikipedia. Geez, there's a lot. Any
0: that stand out to you? We don't need to go through the whole list.
1: I don't even know half these names to be honest. Boy George, wow, who would have possibly guessed? Mm -hmm. Boy
0: George was one that came into mind yeah but i don't think that was ever that's not really there's no really was, a question with that
1: i'm not even sure he ever even denied that
0: <laughs> that is something to to mention at least is because i think well we kind of talked about it before but you know in a way prior episode but like that whole androgynous thing became more popular during the 80s true.
1: certain bands yeah very true Yeah, I think the 80s was like a big leap for, uh, I guess, LGBT, I don't know if I got that right, uh, rights, because that sort of androgynous nature almost became a little bit more mainstream. I mean, heck, they had hair metal. I mean, they were supposed to be like Mm -hmm. the epitome of macho, and they're, you know, wearing like crazy makeup on stage. That's true. Uh, The only other one that I recognize is Liberace, and that's also a no-duh. Right. (laughs) Did you ever see that HBO movie they did on him? No. It was called, like, Behind the Chandelabra, Candelabra, or whatever. I don't know. Mm. It was some HBO biopic, and Liberace was played by Michael Douglas, and his lover was played by Matt Damon. So you get to see, uh, what's-his-face's his butt? It's pretty nice. Matt Damon. Not. I think you see Michael Douglas's, too.
0: Mm.
1: Michael Douglas's butt is money. Because he was in Greed. okay <laughs> terrible uh, so was there little anything R- else you wanted
0: to say but oh we should probably play a song by um, L-
1: by, by little Liberace. Richard
0: <laughs> not by Liberace <laughs> yeah.
1: I think uh, in honor of him being coming out we should play 2D first <laughs> 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 that, that,
0: that sadly makes a lot of sense okay. <laughs>
1: That was Tootie Fruity by Little Richard. You can get Fruity to this next song, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hell. Mm.
0: We've known that for a long time, though.
1: Now, I think I would just like to point out the irony that I mm. supposed I was going to hell for making for making jokes, making a joke about homosexuality, where certain fundamentalists of the Christian religion believe that you go to hell for actually being homosexual.
0: There is an irony so in my statement. Therefore,
1: therefore there's irony in my statement that I am going that I think I'm going to hell for making fun of homosexuality, wherein Christians, some mm. Christians, I should say, think homosexuality itself is sinful. Well, that'll give you listeners something to think about. I think I just broke my own brain trying to describe that. Seriously. Yeah, me I too. I did some mental backflips there. Um, S- speaking of backflips, uh, what do we got up next, Mister Peter? <laughs> I love, I
0: love how we're just starting to use transitions that make no sense.
1: It's funny. Starting? What have I ever?
0: Stopped? That's that's touche. <laughs> I guess moving up backwards from the list that I wrote. There you uh, go. I'll just do that. Um, because the irony, some people think that homosexuality is backwards. Oh my God! Shut up,
1: Peter! Stop. <laughs> we can't do that again We're gonna all right break. all
0: right um so so we have the song it's raining men by the weather girls so which we've probably talked about a good like three times at least on the show before because i um, love the song it's a good song I, and i like it and, and obviously i mean like if you never heard the song it's basically two women talking about how it's raining men there's gonna be men for everybody and you know that's awesome for for women and for some men too of course um and even though the song, it was written and sung from the perspective of women, it does objectify men um, in such a way that you actually don't hear much in popular music, which is interesting in itself. Um, but then it was also kind of, um, again, like embraced by by the gay listeners who heard the song as kind of a celebration of their, of their I don't want to say their culture, but of their lifestyle i guess is that better maybe not i think that's better that's better yeah. um so so actually i was and i was thinking about this because you know, this is an- another example of like a song that was played at clubs and actually became really popular because like in the mainstream because of um gay people liking it first so i was thinking because like this is basically the weather girls were a one-hit wonder with a song i mean like no one knows any other songs by them basically mm-hmm. so i was thinking like if The gay community hadn't, like, latched themselves onto this song and helped it become popular. We may very well not have ever heard of the Weather Girls, you know, just because this song would not have been popular enough to kind of give them a name. That makes sense. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It's like not only other, you know, certain songs we could say, you know, may not have reached a certain level of success, but even, like, them as artists may not have reached their levels of success had it not been for this so like i felt that that was kind of a unique thing and again there's not much else we can or really need to say about this song because we talked about it so many times before but um we will uh we'll play a quick clip of it's raining men and maybe some men will rain down on you So that was it's raining men by the Weather Girls again. Um, pretty good song, even if you're not homosexual. I think that's still a really fun song, and for sure everything. Um, uh, funny thing is that the song actually has a sequel that came out many years later um, in 1998. I want to say what year was it's raining men? Was that like 82-ish, maybe? No idea. I think it was early 80s, um, but in the late 90s. Um, One of, I don't remember which of the the, the, weather, I don't remember which of the two weather girls recorded the sequel called It's Raining Men, the sequel um, in 1998, but she recorded it with RuPaul, um, who was an acclaimed drag queen. So I guess they kind of paid homage to the whole gay thing with the sequel, um, which I personally never heard, but I felt that was kind of an interesting little tidbit. That they incorporated that, cool. that. Um, and then one more thing I will say about that is that that is actually how I ended up developing more research for this episode because another one I was working on was songs that have sequels, which is kind of an interesting concept as well. And um, while I, and then when I found that it's raining men sequel, I realized that that song was actually really popular with the gay community. And then, wouldn't well, you know it? Now we're talking about this one. So. <laughs> Anyway, so I I think you have someone new to talk about, right Kyle?
1: I do. Um another group that we wanted to mention that I don't think we've ever actually mentioned on this show before despite them being fairly famous within the Motown community is um the B- Motown group the Dynamic Superiors and specifically their lead singer Tony Washington.
0: Yeah, I've actually never heard of them strangely actually,
1: enough. I've heard the song their hit song Shoo, Shoo Shine. So, hmm. but I think they're, I don't want to say they're one at Wonders, but they def, that one song is definitely like a lot more popular than their other ones, even though their other ones charted as well. Hmm. Um, but the group formed in 1963, but they actually didn't get their first recording contract until 1974, which 11 years later. Yeah. Um, it's funny because in doing some, I guess, side research on this group, um, i I found a, um, I guess a DC soul collector, DJ, and hobbyist named Kevin Comby, who uh, runs a website called DC Soul Recordings, actually uh, goes in a bit in-depth in this band and their influence, um, not only with gay, in, within the gay community, but within Motown, and they're kind of breaking ground for openly gay performers. Um... He basically says that, you know, although they formed in the early 60s, um, in the early 70s, you know, when they, you know, they had been trying for a decade, basically, to get a recording contract, but again, as an openly gay performer, not the easiest thing to do. Oh, is that uh, why it took them so long? Because yeah, of that's, part that? of the, oh. that's part of the reason, is he didn't want to hide his homosexuality, but that also obviously turned off a lot of uh, promoters. I
0: see, I didn't make that connection. Mm. that's interesting
1: I guess uh, Comby goes on to say that quote, in the early 70s uh, they were doing a show in Atlanta, Georgia where they were discovered by a Motown representative that was, that was there they were signed not long afterwards they had offers before that but they didn't uh, think it was real They but they were signed and things went pretty good for them, right off the bat their first album had some hits like Shoo Shoo Shine mm. that was their first big hit in 1974 so basically they were just kind of went undiscovered for the first 10 years. And it's, he says, the dynamic singers had, re- had great voices and Motown loved them. They really gave the group some leeway because the lead singer was openly gay. His name was Tony Washington. Uh, his brother Maurice was also in the group. Tony was the o- only openly gay member. Um, and apparently uh, in a 1977, interview, he, uh, another bandmate actually had, uh, hadn't come out at that point but came out later oh interesting. Um, it doesn't say who it just says a bandmate mm-hmm. so says so he said quote washington was pretty out there he wore makeup he would dress in such a way that it was clear that he was gay <laughs> one thing that he was known for was there was a song called me and mrs jones all oh, right know if that has any is that have anything to do with billy paul or am i crazy billy paul wrote that song and they did a cover of it obviously that's my guess. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. They can't possibly just happen to have the same title. Uh, the other guys would say, quote, Mrs., and Washington would always get up in front and say, Mr. Jones.
0: Oh, interesting. <laughs>
1: Apparently they were well known for that. Um, they got to the point where Motown was comfortable releasing album covers that really flaunted the fact that these guys had a connection to the gay community. Hmm. On their first record cover, Motown used pink butterflies and colors that were very feminine. Hmm. He's wearing an incredibly feminine look with makeup and everything else. Artists in the '80s and some disco artists could get away with that, but they were really trying there. Huh. So basically, they were they kind of embraced that sort of androgynous androgynicity? Is that a word? I just made up a word. Awesome. They
0: embraced his identity
1: long before the uh, the disco era and even the '80s kind of took off. So that's why they were, you know, a bit groundbreaking.
0: Well, good for Motown, because I know they, in a lot yeah. of other cases, not having to do with sexual orientation, I know that, like, sometimes the Motown executives would be kind of dicks to the others for various reasons, but I, I'm actually pleasantly surprised to hear that they were actually kind of supportive of this.
1: Yeah, it's actually funny, because um, towards the end of this uh, interview, this Combi guy says, I can't really think of a soul group. That had a very uh, openly gay frontman that was on a major label before this. A lot of gay newspapers and magazines interviewed Tony, and he talked about how happy he was that people would come up to him after shows all the time and say he was an inspiration for them to come out. Oh. So in the gay community, I think he made an impact. Interesting. So not only was it you know a boon for Motown, he was a boon for the gay community as a whole. Wow, oh, that's cool. Because yeah, I mean, again, this is you know early to mid '70s. This is still a little bit frowned upon. You're right. Yeah especially in the uh i don't want to stereotype but the black community Hmm. um so yeah that's the um that's the superiors should we
0: listen to a clip of their famous song shoe shoe shine
1: yes and you can shine your shoe to this one
0: is that an innuendo i think
1: that that means masturbate Hmm.
0: (laughs) okay well don't do that please at least not right now That was Shoo Shoo Shine by the Dynamic Superiors, including their op- thank you, Kyle. Including their openly gay lead singer, Tony Washington. And they released that song in nineteen seventy
1: five.
0: Um one quick note I wanted to say about the me and Mr. Jones because yeah. I think there's like female singers who have covered that song and said me and Mr. Jones. Um, that
1: makes sense. We, uh, yeah,
0: uh, I I you know, you don't think about oh, I guess you know a, a male group can sing that as well, so it was kind of I, I didn't think about that that's kind of funny, so kind of moving away from a group where one or I guess apparently two members were um or gay, under of the spectrum, we have another group where basically they were all gay <laughs> Pretty open about it um uh, the village people. Uh, known for such songs as YMCA, In the Navy, Macho Man, stuff like that. Um, chances are you've heard all of those and more by them. And um, you may have seen them in their various music videos or like, you know, a show or something, you know, parodying them. Um, usually they would have, they they were all dressed up as different like characters. Like one was a policeman. One was like an Indian chief. I think there was a construction worker and like maybe a sailor. Uh, I don't remember all the different Characters, But basically, these were all macho-looking guys. And they did this on purpose, by the way. Um, they were all macho-looking guys with no shirts and dressed up and all dancing together. And that was their thing. Uh, basically, uh, this group was the brainchild of the French music producer slash promoter um, Jacques Morali. He kind of formed this group as an idea to, like, appeal to the gay demographic of the 1970s disco scene, who, who we've already kind of discussed a couple times now. Um, in this episode, um, the name, The Village People, actually comes from uh, Greenwich Village in New York City, which boasted both an active gay community and a lively disco scene. So that's kind of a perfect combination.
1: Greenwich Village is so weird because that was the same place that, like, folk music came out of in the 60s. Yeah,
0: I wanted to say that that, that area sounds familiar to me for some reason. Yeah, so it's, it's very much
1: a defining music scene. Hmm. Well, I guess, that's,
0: I guess that's also where the name of this group came about as well, which is kind of funny. Uh, the The funny thing is when, when he was forming this group, he placed ads in, I guess, music magazines and stuff, and it was basically a wanted ad of macho types wanted, must dance and have a mustache, and that's all in quotes. So that, <laughs> that's exactly what it said. And there's a note here that says, vocal talent was not necessary since they would not be singing on their records. Um, I think they, they must have had a couple of guys who were like the main... Singers and then the rest of them were kind of just like background dancers Mm. for their videos. But basically they were like we want all a bunch of macho looking shirtless guys (laughs) with mustaches. And that's awesome. That's so that's specifically what they went out and looked for. Um so their their breakout single came out in nineteen seventy eight, YMCA, which um pretty much I think everyone in the world has heard. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't heard the song. The funny thing is I I think a lot of us tend to assume that they wrote that song like as an ad for the YMCA, but it totally wasn't it. They kind of made this song without the YMCA's permission and the YMCA actually uh, was going to sue them (laughs) for this because the whole thing with the YMCA is it, it it stands for young men's Christian association, which as we all know, it's kind of like supposed to be a a club for young men, you know, like for whatever. Um, But in reality, I guess back then, I don't know if it still is. I don't think it is now, but like back then in the seventies, I guess it was a popular hookup for like gay guys. Just like truck stops. Sure. So, um, so they wrote this song obviously in dedication to that. Um, And nowadays YMCAs are a lot more like family oriented. uh, Recreation areas and stuff like that. But back then, I guess it was much more of like a, uh, the underlying purpose of those was to hook up with gay people. Anyway, so YMCA was pretty pissed about this song because, you know, they didn't really want to be associated with that. But they did notice, funny enough, that after that song came out, that their membership went up quite a bit when the song became more popular. So they learned to, instead of suing the village people, to actually embrace the song. And uh, even today, official, uh, apparently it's still on their official website. So oh, that's awesome. I guess... I, I guess the I do want to tell another story about them, but let's let's just listen to a, a clip of YMCA just for funsies.
1: <laughs> every-
0: that was the YM YMCA by uh, Village People. Pretty damn popular song and popular with the gay people as well. Um, so I guess following, it, so one, one other short story I want to tell about probably the second famous song, um, in the Navy. Um, they kind of, they, the U S Navy actually contacted them, uh, to create. So and it, like, unlike the YMCA, they were actually contacted by the Navy and said, Hey, can you make this song, you know, to help get people excited about joining the Navy and stuff. So they're like, okay, we'll do it. And, um, So they made kind of like the music video, I guess, was also sort of like considered a recruitment video of sorts. Um, And they filmed this on the deck of the warship USS Reasoner, um, which at least at the time was docked at San Diego Naval Base. I don't know if it's still there today. I know there is one famous ship at San Diego now. Uh, I don't remember um, if it's the same one.
1: I know It's a battleship. I don't know if this was a battleship. Air, if it was an aircraft carrier or a battleship.
0: Oh, know. I think it is an aircraft carrier. at San Diego now, right?
1: No, it's they. Still oh no, have you a said it. Oh, right sorry. I, don't I forget. Know if they used to have an aircraft carrier. I, I don't know. Things happen. I feel like they did have one
0: anyway. You listeners can look up <laughs> what. Tell us what on our Facebook page. What ship is docked at San Diego Harbor? Take
1: a picture if you happen to live there. Yeah.
0: Um, weren't you just in San
1: Diego recently, Kyle? Yes,
0: but you didn't go to see the the no. USS Reasoner
1: or a similar ship. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Oh, I did see that um, that restored old like sail ship thing.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I didn't go inside. I just saw it like out on out on the water. Hey, it's a boat. <laughs> Where's Captain Jack Sparrow?
0: <laughs> so even though the Navy contacted them and kind of basically contracted them to make this song. They never ended up using the music video, like, officially for recruitment purposes. Like, obviously, we still have the music video for that per- for just music video purposes, but they never actually ended up using it for recruiting because apparently a lot of political groups started getting pissed off that U.S. tax dollars were going to support the quote-unquote gay group um, that was promoting the military. And you can imagine that that would cause a lot of issues yeah with people so um, hell that would uh, cause issues now <laughs> oh certainly yeah it would so in a way I'm actually a little surprised that they even thought it was going to work back then but anyway so it didn't work out as an actual recruitment video but we still have the song and we still have uh, the video so that's another fun one Um should we play a clip of the song or should we just skip it because I feel like a lot of people have heard this one as well
1: I think we should play Macho Man yeah
0: <laughs> okay let's play macho man so that was macho man by the village people not related to the story i just told about in the navy but um still, still a good a song song yeah so yeah they were they were definitely a group where they were all gay and they were all open about it and they embraced it and they were they weren't any less popular because of that which is cool yeah so all in all we didn't talk about that many different people but i feel like we had enough stuff to talk about here in this um i don't know if there was anyone else you wanted to touch on
1: um no i think i'm good uh, and more so that I can't think of any than I'm actually.
0: Right. And like we said at the beginning, I mean, we couldn't find a lot of openly gay people back then because it wasn't the most popular thing to be. Um, but luckily now, if you are openly or not openly homosexual, um, I think now's a good as a time as any to embrace that about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And we on Funk Radio will support you no matter what you do, because we love you. If you were inspired by this episode to come out of the closet finally, tell us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash getyourfunk.
1: Although I gotta say, if this episode was the thing that inspired you, (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot more inspiring things out there. Oh! We don't have to talk about it, but we could do a quick mention. I forgot someone else who is... Uh, homosexual. Tracy Chapman. Oh. Um, she's more kind of bluesy. Luther Vandross? He is? No. No. I gotta look this up really quick. Oh. That
0: can't be. <laughs> we're gonna end this and then it was like, oh, more people.
1: Or we can just touch on him super quick. I didn't... We can touch- We can touch him super quick. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, yeah, that might- That might just be speculation. I don't think there's anything- huh fortifying that he is uh, homosexual.
0: Oh, false alarm, I guess. <laughs> um, as well as thanking us for being your inspiration, uh, you can also on our Facebook page tell us if there were any openly gay musical performers that you could think of that we forgot to mention in this show. Mm. Um, or if you don't want to say anything, if you just wanted to wait until we post new episodes and other songs and stuff um you can like us for that reason and remember to uh support the artists that you heard in this episode um we only can play short clips but uh if you want to hear the full songs go out and buy them and support the artists that you love Yay. we'll also mention that uh you can like us on our new host it's kind of the same host as we had before um the online community that this podcast is part of uh just under a new name now Overmental.com, where you can get uh, not only more podcasts that are awesome just like this one, but also um, stuff like videos and pop culture news, um, stuff like that, original content, fun stuff, and also funk radio. That's the best reason to go there. So if you start hearing that from now on, uh, don't be too confused. It's basically all the same stuff. It's just a different name.
1: And funk radio will stay the same forever. Funk radio is eternal. Funk radio is love. Funk radio is life. (laughs) This has been your host, Peter. And this has been your host, Kyle.
0: Thanks for listening to Funk Radio. Tune in next time as we delve into more special funky things. Possibly songs with sequels. Because I kind of want to talk about that one next time.
1: Yeah, that does sound like a good topic. Stay tuned next time on Little Orphan Annie. Be sure to drink your awful tea. Um, Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye. For more
0: original podcasts, videos, and pop culture news, visit obermental.com. Thanks for
1: listening.